a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This is the Southwick Review. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, each and every week, we'll be here reviewing the races and uh, talking about who did what and what's going on. And thank you for listening. Search uh, all these shows on the uh, Pulpamex app if you want. Lots of podcasts on there. And uh, also on iTunes and Stitcher and all of that. Uh, all right. Flyracing.com. Check them out on the web. Blake Baggett, Benny Bloss, Weston Pike. Just some of the guys that wear Fly Racing out there. Uh, Dylan Merriam on our privateer side has been killing it with Fly. And, uh, yeah, lots of exciting things coming for 2019 for the folks at Fly Racing as well. Stay tuned for that. Uh, if you're a local dealer, please check out Fly Racing. Stock it. Make your customers happy. Thank you to uh, Alpine Stars as well for making this podcast happen. Alpine Stars protects, whether it's a Tech 10 boot. Uh, the Tech 7 boot, the A4 chest protector, the A1 chest protector, whatever it is, Alpine Stars protects. they got the bionic neck support system as well going on. And, uh, yeah, thanks to Alpine Stars. Maxxis tires, the MXST tire, is now out, developed by Jeremy McGrath. Visit Maxxis.com to learn more, whether it's your truck, your car, your light truck, your trailer, your ATV, your mountain bike. Maxxis tires will have you hooking up and pulling a whole shot with all of these things. Thank you to uh, those companies for making it happen. And uh, all right, let's get into Southwick and all that went down uh, in the sandbox. First up, uh, he is the voice of the motocross series. He is the voice of GNCC. He is the voice of quad racing. He is the voice of uh, Geneva Supercross. He used to be the voice of Enduro Cross. He is the voice of flat tracking with Ralph Shaheen. Jason Wygant. Yeah. What's up, Weege? Ah, it's good times. Been on a family vacation all week. I'm in uh, Boston right now, looking out at the actual place where the Boston Tea Party happened. Suck at Canada. We made the right moves. You guys have not. You well, still have the queen on your money. Uh, we dominate. We kill it. And I'm <laughs> celebrating that right now. Hashtag America. Uh, were you one of the ones booing Marv at the podium lately? Was that was that you? Yes, I did. I actually okay. opened the door, stuck my head out the truck, and booted him. <laughs> right, right. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, the President of the United States, a tariff war he's got going on. Big news in Canada. We have slapped a tariff on maple syrup. Yeah. Yeah. No. D- good job, no. America. Good job. We've tapped. F you guys. Well, you, you want to do it to us? We're going to do it to you on this Canada Today, July 1. We have announced that we are putting tariffs on maple syrup, everybody. So. Oh, and you decided to have your your Canada Day before ours, your your Independence Day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Also on the line from Fly Racing, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? What's happening? I'm ready for this. Well, haven't been uh, haven't been doing a race in a little bit. 
so I'm really getting used to watching the races on my app and on, on the Internet. Uh, but, yeah, I, I feel like there's there a lot to talk about with this race. A lot to talk about today with the NHL free agency opening up. John Tavares signing with the Leafs. Nobody cares. Why can't no, reaction? I've already had to read, like, I've had to read like 10 texts about this already, and I don't care at all. <laughs> John, T- <laughs> John Tavares is coming home, everybody. <laughs> it still reminds me of the one time when you texted something about hockey, and JT raised the stakes by saying, no, he didn't say, I couldn't care less. He said, I could not possibly care less. He threw that extra emphasis in there. I could not possibly care less. <laughs> that's that's fine, but that doesn't take away John Tavares signing with the Leafs today. Um, and and Wygant, so that's you've brought up how you're staring at the Boston Harbor. Um, mm-hmm. So that brings up to what I was going to ask you. Like, you've been on vacation here for a mm-hmm. week or two. You've been off the grid. It's it, it's been. Very strange around the Racer X emails and Slack messages and everything else. But yes. this, you're spending money on this vacation, correct? Like, what is going on with you? Well, I mean, there's, I don't get a vote here. I'm, or I should say, I'm outvoted. Very similar to how this American Revolution happened. Uh, I got two kids, one wife, so they three to one me on all these things. So, unfortunately, I hate to say this, but my schedule is basically predicated on when does the dream team need to be in Charlotte to do flat track voiceovers? And we just happen to have two weeks in a row without them. So I'm like, we are getting, I'm ripping the bandaid off. We are getting these freaking holiday summer trips over with. We're getting them done in June and that's it. I'm going back out of my hole and making money and not spending it for the next two months. JT, can you imagine the pain when he has to give the hotel, the credit card for the family to stay in? Like, good God. I, I picture, his wife doing it and Weege in a corner of the hotel lobby with like sucking his thumb in the fetal position. I flew my family up here to, uh, we flew to Boston on Monday and, uh, and we went to Maine. The reason I'm doing this, this is our uh, 10th wedding anniversary. My wife and I, and we had our honeymoon in Maine because it's a lot cheaper to go there than it is to the Caribbean like most people do. So I was like, yeah, we'll go to Maine again. It's been 10 years. And uh, in the parking lot of the hotel we stayed in 10 years ago, I saw license plates from all over. And I'm like, wait, people do drive here from far away. Like, I could have driven. I didn't need to buy these plane tickets. And it pretty much ruined the entire week. <laughs> like, I quickly did the math. And I'm like, we spent $900 in plane tickets. And it would probably have been $300 in gas. Right. And that $600 has just been, it's like the devil over each shoulder. There's no angel here. <laughs> El Chipacabra. It's, it's El Chipacabra on each shoulder. El Chipacabra. Yeah, the whole trip I've been very upset. God, this is good. God, just, this, just, get to the, just get to the racing. This, they, they actually pay me to go to the races on weekends. I actually had a paying part of this vacation. Thank God. Let's talk about that. God, it's got to hurt you. All right. Let's get into, oh, it does. into, it in, does. into Southwick. So we show up in the morning, and the track is disced up, JT. It's like disked up it's really very weird it's not typical southwick and i thought you know obviously the unseated practice guys have a big advantage when they first hit the track and we've seen it in qualifying times and we've seen these guys just lay down these incredible times and it kind of whatever it is what it is but i assume that it was done for um that purpose to make it a little harder on the unseated guys the first hit the track and it, and it, and it worked because the times were pretty equal. You didn't see too many unseated guys, you know, really blitz in there and get into the mix like we normally do. But I was walking out of the tent at the end of the day looking for you, Wygant, by the way, because I heard from two people that you were looking for me. Um, and so I was kind of looking around for you. 
But anyways, um, I saw Keith That's Johnson. That's not true. Yeah, no, it was. No, it's not true. Okay, all right, fine. No, uh, there were multiple fans looking for you. I don't know what's going on, but these weekends are getting ridiculous with Pulp fans. There's a lot of them, and it's cool. Yeah. Um, yes. But, so I just kept saying, like, I don't know, go to the press tent. Find him over there. I don't care. But what about the one fan you told you told him I was JoJo Keller? <laughs> I don't know what was up with that guy. He he came up to me with a hat, and he said, Ken Rockson, can you saw my hat? Oh, okay. Like, so this was his what, his thing. Ken Rockson is blonde. I, obviously How am I Ken Rockson? Yeah. Obviously he thought it was funny. And then funny. he saw you, yes, and then he said, is that JoJo Keller? And I'm like, oh, yes, that's JoJo Keller. Oh, okay. Yeah, I signed his yeah. hat, JoJo. So. <laughs> um, and then uh, some guy said that he was pretending to be me with you, and you thought it was really funny? I don't know. It's Southwick, dude. These, <laughs> when you go to Unadilla and Southwick, the fans are a whole other level. It's, it's great, uh, but it's, yeah. it's just comedy. Okay, so I left the tent. Looking for Wigan. I saw Keith Johnson and John Dowd. Keith runs the track now. Dowdy helps him out, of course. Both legendary Southwick riders. And I brought up the fact, like, hey, did you guys do that to to make the uh, to make the practices more equal? And, and Dowdy was like, no, never even thought about that actually. And I'm like, well, why'd you do it? He's like, we just want to get it rough. We wanted to get it back to old Southwick, like you know when they didn't even groom it and stuff. I'm like, what? I said mission accomplished because I just got back from talking to a bunch of riders and it was pretty bad, pretty gnarly. It was really hot too, obviously. But um, yeah, so then then they giggled, they giggled and said, "Yeah, yeah, that's what we wanted it to be." So, <laughs> but you, I wasn't there, obviously. But did you guys think it was all that rough? I, I didn't think it was overly rough. I mean, hot. I think the the climate conditions were really hard on people, but I didn't think the track was that brutal. By you know, like from what we've seen, like if they're talking how it used to be, it was nothing like that from what I could see. Well, uh, no, I I got it from the guys that it was it was pretty gnarly. Like, but uh, I'm sure it was rough. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't think many of those guys raced it. You know, like 2004 jumps out at me. But that, that was the the year they didn't groom it from the NESC race the weekend before, and then they didn't groom it on Saturday for you know the day qualifying. And then we raced on Sunday without them touching any part of the track. And yeah. that's how it used to be, you know, in the '90s and '80s. So well, I don't, I didn't see anything like that yesterday. Uh, but it's a one-day format, and the tracks are smooth and all that. But well, KJ and Dow thought they did a good job. They were pretty oh, stoked I, on their that, work. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I, that, no, I know that, but I'm saying they I'm thought saying it was. They, job, they, they thought it was old school rough. So well, I think it's limited on what you know. You have a one-day format now, where it used to be two, and unless you leave the track rough from a prior event you're never going to get it there, right? It's just impossible. So, yeah, when you when you factor in those parameters, yeah, I, I thought it looked great on TV. I just I don't think it's I don't think it's anything close to what Southwick has been like when I was watching it on TV before I turned pro like 92, 93. It was unbelievably rough back then. I think it's different uh rough and I don't know, it's the same problem that all these tracks have had. Like the soil that made them distinctive is no longer there and Southwick is not as sandy as it once was. I mean, it looks sandy. You look at the corners, and there's big sand berms, but uh, the bumps don't form up like sand whoops. It's not like going to JT, as you know. It's not like going to Croom. It's mm-hmm. It still has some of those choppy, small braking bumps and acceleration bumps in and out of the corners like the other tracks, not those big rolling sand bumps. So I think it's a different rough. It might it was rough, yeah. but even Barsha said, he's like, man, it's not like the way it was, but I don't know. It's, no. it's the classic motocross thing. No. Tracks the good soil gets hauled off. It just does. And they try to put it back on. They try, but it never is the same. 
Yeah. Well, um, I got a lot of people saying it was pretty gnarly, and but yeah, I'm sure it was rough. Yeah. I, I, but I think the heat. I think the heat makes that so much worse, you know. And I, I don't. I don't think that many of the tracks that we race on are all that crazy rough anymore because it's a one day format, and you know they're trying to keep them safe, so they fix sections. I don't think that most tracks are how they used to be 25 years ago, as far as rough wise. And, and that's. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I just think that they're different. All right. Yeah, I'll give you an example. I heard a very specific scenario. Um, you know, the straightaway after the start at Southwick is crazy fast. It just keeps going and going and going. Um, so I think Dowd and KJ wanted to make it as rough as possible to slow the guys down. But the problem is that's also the start. Um, yep. I mean, we see first turn crashes. You see guys passing each other over that first jump. Um, so there was a big, like, wait. If it's rough, that'll be good for most of the moto because it'll slow it down, but the start is going to be pure chaos. And everybody was at like an impasse of what to do. Uh, if you go back to the first moto on TV, Tomac pulls in and he's greeted first by John Ayers of the track crew, not Kawasaki guys. And Ayers was immediately asking him something. So I saw John Ayers after. I'm like, uh, we saw you immediately get in Tomac's ear. What was that all about? And he's like, the track guys wanted to make that straightaway rough. And we thought for the start it would be safer if it didn't have bumps in it. So I just went to the riders and asked what they wanted. And Marvin and Tomac said, yeah, that thing needs to be groomed. If it's going to be whooped out 10 feet out of the first turn, it's going to be pure chaos. So these are a lot of the decisions that go into it. It's not that they just, you know, decide to make tracks smooth because they're millennials. They don't want it to be hard. Yeah. Um, it's just not and, the way and it's I, agree, I would agree with that. Regime, I was like, we don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If they're never going to ask me, but I would have in my racing days, I would have said the same thing. It's because the biggest problem is on the start, you can't see anything. If you're mid pack or worse, you can't mm. see where you're going. So mm. if you can't pick a line and you can't see where you're going, if there's multiple lines that are all whooped out, guys are just going to crash their brains out because you have no idea what you're hitting. You can't see anything because it's all just roost and sand and bikes everywhere. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely the right decision. Yeah. Right, and I, I underline this because I know that everyone listening always thinks rubber is better, and I understand that the Steve Whitelock regime in the early 2000s, it was no matter what circumstances are, we're not changing it no matter what. But I'm just giving examples of why sometimes a nip and a tuck here actually is done for safety reasons and not just because they're pussifying motocross. Sorry. Are you sure John Ayers wasn't asking Eli if he needed a deal on some tie-dye shirts, event shirts? <laughs> Apparently they're the best sellers. Do you know the that? Best sellers out there. Okay. <laughs> tie dye. They have no problem moving tie dye. What is going on? Where I only see tie dye shirts at the motocross nationals. Like that's over Langston with. Langston and right? I were having a conversation about. Langston and I were having a conversation about that. And, okay. Uh, Langston has asked, and apparently they sell the best. I don't okay. Know. If anybody wants to know, know what's wrong with our sport, there you have it. That's what you. Ha- that's the problem. Is. Those shirts are selling. That's the problem. Well, hold on a second. You think the, the biggest problem with motocross is that the shirts are tie-dye? The shirts that are tie-dye are selling. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I have now... All right. I've, I've, I've now jumped the 250 class. I've jumped amateurs. I've jumped everything else. And number one is that the tie-dye shirts still sell. That's absolutely... More than Marty. Bigger problem than Marty. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. No. Well... <laughs> 30 seconds ago, Marty was the biggest problem, but the, he has now been jumped. Uh, after I, I, I saw those, I've been, 
And I'm like, what are they still doing with those? What? This is like last year. I'm like, who is buying those? Who the hell would People ever do. buy a tie-dye shirt? The fans do. They do. There's tons of tie-dye shirts out there. They buy them. I've been talking to John Ayers about this for almost 20 years now. Because John Ayers, yes, he's also the t-shirt guy. And he's like, yeah, everyone gives me the same concept. How about we have a cool-looking shirt that just has a small logo on the pocket? and everything else is cool and clean and classy. And then we try to sell them, and no one buys them. And then we have a graphic with tons of stuff all over it and tie-dye, and we can't keep them in stock. Okay. So all right, this podcast. everybody is, has their suggestions, this but po- it's not what everyone actually buys. This podcast is over. I need to go jump out my window right now. <laughs> Pur- purple tie-dye with the biggest, splashiest, gnarliest, tackiest logo ever. That's oh, what people want. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. <laughs> Um. All right. Let's get it. Look, I always want to start with two fifties first because that's where the stuff's going on right now. But but we got to go. We got to start four fifties again, um, because that first of all that second moto, Eli Tomac was absolutely destroying it. It was he was his best time was almost four seconds better than the next guy, and he lost. He crashed twice, but for a while. Uh, it was something else to watch, uh, Weege. He was absolutely crushing it. He had a huge lead, and I was just like, oh, my God, look how fast this guy's going. Now, he told us all after the race that he did, he felt in control. It was no problems. You know, it was not like he was pushing it. Holy smokes, was he flying. Yeah, the first moto, he got a bad start. Second moto, he got a bad start. His starts have been exceptionally bad this year, even for him, which is even weirder because in Supercross, they're exceptionally good. Um this is almost like it's almost getting to the point where I'm wondering is he doing this on purpose just to give us a better race to watch? He's had like two good starts all year in twelve motos. Uh but it took him a while, you know, it was like slowly he gets to sixth, fifth, fourth, third, second, and then the entire race to get Marv in Moto one. So when yeah. he got the bad start in Moto two, I'm like, Oh, this is gonna be on again. Um it took two, two laps. Uh it, well, I think it took four turns before he was in third from <laughs> from fifteenth. Like Yes. It was unreal. Wow. He said in the press conference, I don't know if you talked to him after the race, but I did. he yeah. said they made some bike changes. I know you don't like hearing about the setup, but he said the bike was way better in Moto2. Yeah, I, I know what they changed because I, I asked the team. Oh, oh. And from, yeah, they changed something, but yeah, whatever. Okay. Um. Yeah, he was he was hauling, and then the irony that his best moto on his best track is the yeah. one he ends up Dude. blowing it. Or is that not irony, or is that just... We have to start discussing Eli Tomac again. Well, Eli's going to Eli, right? I mean, oh boy, he was oh boy. so good. He knocked his clutch lever, his clutch perch down a little bit, and so he couldn't grab it right. Uh, and and that's kind of what he said. How the second crash happened a little bit. Um, first crash, he jumped too far into those braking bumps. But uh, I mean, then at that point, I I think he was like, okay, I just got to, I'm just taking this thing home in second. But yeah, that was something else for those first four or five laps. Oh my God, he was flying. Um, JT, the first moto was great. Um, you've been a critic of Marv trying to, when you're trying to pass Marv in the past, uh, he did some of that again. He did some of that again. Um, yeah, Marv likes to, he likes to move over a little bit, move around when he's defending his position. Um, and I think it's just a matter of, you know, viewpoint and perspective because I, I have friends who think that's totally fine and no big deal. And yeah, he should be racing. You know, he's racing to hold his spot. Um, you know, I don't 
necessarily love that style of racing. Like, I, I think if you can go fast enough, you don't have to ride like that. And I just don't like when people swerve in front of me. I didn't like it when I was doing it either. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something that Marv, you know, it's just part of his his racing tactics and love it or hate it. He, he I don't think he really cares, you know, what my opinion is. Uh, but, yeah, he, he does a little bit. And I, you know, Cooper Webb had some serious issues with it in the past when they were battling for the 250 championship. And, uh, yeah, you see, you see him do it to Eli a little bit too. I mean, it is sand, though, so it's a little different to do it. You know, I could see a little bit more of a defense when you're riding sand. You're trying to, um, you know, Yeah, I mean, he's doing it on purpose. There's no doubt. You know, it, it, I don't think it so much matters if it's sand or hard pack or whatever. It's one of those things where he's willing to completely change his line to make sure that you can't take your line. And that's, that's just whatever. That's just what he – just part of his repertoire. That's all. It was uh that was cool that first moto that was like high point two guys just pushing it, just pushing it. It was yeah, it was and, cool. And I, I think uh, I think that's why we saw crashes. You know, Marv had a pretty good one in the first moto there, and then Eli has two in the second moto. Uh, and I think it's just a testament to the level that you know they're they're both pushing each other to. Um, I think the MXGP guys with Carol and Herlings are kind of the same thing. You know, they have a kind of a one-two tandem that seems to be a little bit higher of a level than everyone else can can reach. And uh, Marv and Eli are kind of there, too. You know, uh, maybe Eli has a, a higher ceiling, obviously, because this is the first overall he hasn't won. Uh, but when Marv's feeling it, he can push Eli harder than anyone else can. I thought that uh, Barsha would be closer, to be honest, Wygant, to both of those guys. He rode well. He went 3-3. Three, three. I, I, I was surprised they, they yarded him as much as they did. Yeah, I agree, because um, we know he's done well at Southwood before, so I figured if there's any track that he's going to get really close, it'll be the one. But um, he's still talking about bike changes and all that. Um, I think the problem a little bit for Barsha right now is, like, he's got most of the obstacles cleared. Like, he's no longer getting 14th like he was last year. Like, he's back to a pretty solid level where he's getting podium. So now you're squaring up where you're getting thirds, but you're getting – I think it was, what, 55 seconds in one moto, I think they had on him. I don't remember which one. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe both. Yeah. Uh, so after that's happening, you know, six rounds in, now it's the classic that every rider gets to, just staring in the mirror and being like, okay, things are going pretty well here. I'm healthy. I'm on a good team, good bike. I feel fit. I feel good. And I'm getting beat by 55 seconds. Yeah. And that's when you start hearing, like, the bike, the bike, the bike, the bike, the bike. And this is not just Barsha. This is everyone in the history of racing. Because um, I think before, you know, when he got a podium in Anaheim 1, whatever, that's awesome. That's a championship for him from where he had been. But now this has been happening for a while. And it's like, okay, now I've got to figure out why this is 55 seconds. And that's a tough one for anyone to deal with at his level. Because, dude, there's no way he's coming in, getting beat by 55 seconds, and high-fiving everyone. No. Yeah, killed it. Yeah. No. So I hear him talking about the bike, but I don't know if it's, you know, it's the classic. Is it the bike? Is it you've got to find something to change? Well, but uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I thought he'd be closer. Yeah. Yeah. Those and guys he probably did, too. Yeah. Those guys really <laughs> raised the level, man. They're they're pushing it. Um, God. And Eli was just eating roost from Marvin forever in that first photo. <laughs> just eating yeah. sand. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised at Roxon, man. He's been off the last couple of races. Huh, JT? Yeah, he just hasn't really had the, the progression, you know, I thought. And we've talked about this several times, but 
we, you know, he comes in, he comes in underprepared, which I think we all expected, and and I think he was vocal with as well. But man, he was pretty good. Like Sakamoto Hangtown, we'll take that off. Uh, but you know, Glenn Helen, he takes a huge step forward. He leads for 20 minutes, and then it's just kind of been these not bad rides, but not at the level he was, right? And and I, for one, thought, okay, if he's already there, man, give him a couple weeks off, and you know, and he, and he's made mention that it's it's just not working that way. Like he's not just making these huge strides forward. But I really expected that to happen with his talent and you know the limited amount of time he had been riding. I thought if you gave him a month or so. Yeah he's going to be in the mix and it's just that's not coming to fruition yeah i mean he he led some laps in the first moto baggett caught him from a ways back in both motos it was basically yeah. marvin and tomac eli was probably a little better guy but crashed and then big gap barsha pretty big gap baggett who caught roxy near the end of each moto then a bit of a gap in bloss and ever in each moto the guys found their home have um have either of you talked to rock did you talk to roxon yesterday just what his thoughts were why is he going backwards because i didn't think at this point he would go backwards at towards the end like I, I figured if he couldn't wasn't strong enough or i just didn't think it would be something where he was continuously getting caught you know and like bag of catches him from pretty far back yeah i thought it, i didn't think it would be going like that i talked to him before um practice on saturday morning and his reasoning and like i said it's the same thing with barsha that you got to find some reason so his reasoning even before southwick you know it wasn't like he was going to win muddy creek or high point either um, was he's like, oh, these guys are just in their peak, man. They've they've been racing for 18 months, and I haven't. They're just they're just peaking, and I'm not. So that's his theory, at least. Well, I never, I definitely did not think after Lakewood that we would see Kenny doing what he's doing right now. Okay, if he's not winning, fine, but I mean, he's been off. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I I actually agree with him. I think that uh, it's really um, doesn't get the the attention it deserves in our sport as far as just uh, continuity, you know, building a base and then just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And I know I've mentioned it either here on the Pulp Show, but that's one of the things that made Dungy so hard to beat was just he was never injured and he just kept getting stronger and fitter and faster and stronger and better without these big breaks and time off. And it's really hard to improve when you're constantly trying to get back to your best level. There, there is no time to improve. You're just trying to get back to what you were, let alone get better. So, um, I, I think Kenny is being honest there. I think that there's a lot of truth in that. But then, what do you make of his Lakewood ride? Well, I think it's going to be hit and miss, right? So you're seeing you're seeing Eli every weekend. He's just got this crazy high level. Um, but I think for Kenny, if, if things are perfect, he's going to be good. But if things every single thing isn't exactly right, he's going to be mediocre. And, and, you know, saying mediocre, he's still top five. Uh, I just don't think he has that, that elite level to ride past. The, you know, if, if he's not comfortable with the bike, right, Eli's probably going to be able to overcome that. He's just going to push through it. Where I just think any little hole in the game right now, is it's, really tough for for Kenny to overcome because he's still trying to get back to his best level so um and and I think that'll continue I think we'll see motos where it's just yeah everything's clicking and and he's awesome and maybe he runs at the front or battles for a win battles for top three but then you're going to see other motos where it's just it's just not there yet right and that's those are the little nuances that make these guys so hard to beat like an Eli right now when they're everything's firing they're incredibly hard to beat because they can overcome a bad day or overcome a you know a 
a setting that's off or whatever. Look at Eli with two crashes. He still almost won, right? And he, that, that's just the level that he's able to ride at right now. Uh, put the show of stuff back on. What I would do. I mean, I'm sure that's been thrown out there, right? I, I have no doubt that that's been mentioned, but clearly he's not doing it for a reason. Um, all right, yeah, Baggett rode well, both motos, you know. I mean, probably not where he wants to be, but he, he was he was all right uh, going up 4-4. Barsha, like we talked about a little bit. Uh, Benny Bloss was good again. Bloss went 6-6. Six, 7-7. Six. Seven, seven. Lorenzo Lucuccio was good. And I'm like, hey, man, like, where's he from? Where's Lorenzo from? Venezuela? Venezuela, right? Venezuela? Um, okay. I, said, I, could be, I could be wrong, but no, I think I, so. I think he is, yeah. I said to him, like, do you have sand in Venezuela? Like, what, what is your deal? Because I remember it was one of his best rides on Cycle Trader Team 2, Southwick. And um, yep. and he was like, no, no, I, I we don't have sand in Venezuela. It's hard pack. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, I just ride Florida. <laughs> I ride in Florida a lot. So I'm like, okay, all right, that's it. But nice job for Lorenzo. 7-7. Seven, seven. Beating Cooper Webb, Phil Nicoletti, Weston Pike. Good job, Lorenzo. I went and found him after the race. I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. Like, I don't really know him. I don't even know what he looks like, really. You know? Nice kid, though. Yeah. He's my new nah, favorite. He rides good. Yeah, he wrote. He I know wrote. some of the tracks he rides on, and they are full sand. Like, yeah, yeah. I would say, I would say even sandier than Southwick. They're just full on sand tracks. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't expect a seven-seven out of him, but for him to have a solid day, uh, that wasn't that surprising. He, he should feel care, very comfortable in that track. Oh come on! So seven, that's so not surprising to beat Webb and Nicoletti and Pike. No, I, I said I wouldn't expect seven-seven. Oh, I thought you but said for okay. Him to have a good right. day. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, yeah. And also, he's uh, my new favorite rider because he said it was a, uh, it was an honor for me to interview him, for him to give me an interview. So he's my new favorite rider, everybody. Maybe. Uh, wow. Weege, maybe you can run and tell uh, Anderson that. Maybe. Yeah, I guess you got enough. You don't need anybody other riders on your bandwagon. You got Lorenzo, yep. and you're good. I'm on. I'm, yep. We're going to the top. Me and Lorenzo. You don't need uh, Anderson. You don't need Anderson. Good job by him, though. Um, hey, so Cooper Webb came back. Um, he, the Yamaha guys I talked to in the morning were like, hey, he's not really ready. Cooper kind of said he wasn't 100%, but, you know, you better go racing on his social posts. And, I mean, look, 8-9 uh, is, is an okay day, Weege. Like, you got to start somewhere. Um, he was consistent. He didn't look to get that tired. So, good job for Cooper Webb. Yeah, I checked in with him a little bit in the morning. I mean, I think that – that those results are almost perfect. It's like the perfect scenario for what he was going with because as recently as High Point, just two races ago, uh, the team was saying it's going to be Redbud more likely than Southwick. So he really came back early. Yep. And, I mean, look, he he's trying to get his race fitness back. Uh, that's a good weekend. <laughs> it's going to do that. Um, so if these guys can completely ignore the results and not be, like, bummed about, you know, I'm sure Cooper Webb doesn't go to the races pumped on getting ninths in motos. But if he can ignore that part and just the physical – literally training workout bike time that he got, I'm sure was phenomenal. So uh, I think it was the perfect scenario. I wish more guys would do that. Come back early and take an 8-9 yeah. and wait one more week to the, see where you're at. The the economic disparity between Lorenzo and Cooper Webb in 7th and 8th <laughs> is amazing. It's amazing to think about out there. But that's, that's, <laughs> that's motocross, I guess. Um, Lorenzo uh, was the... Um, we have a privateer power award winner from FMF every weekend, yeah. and he happened to be it at uh, High Point. So I found Lorenzo at High Point. I said, "Look, man, we're going to mention the TV show. So, what sponsors do you want me to mention?" And he's like, "None. Just it's just me." And did you notice that, Mathis? Do you see what his radiator shroud says? 
Well, now he's on tie loop. Honda. Oh, he's on tie loop. He's good now. Oh, he's fine. Yeah. He's set up. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Tyler Lube was uh, last weekend. Started on Tyler yeah. last weekend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Body Creek. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's good now. Um, he's totally dialed. Yeah. Uh, well, back at High Point days, his radiator yeah. shout said LaCurcio. LaCurcio, yeah. He had his own name. Yep. And yep. he's like, no one uh, just said that I'm for hire, and I don't really have any sponsors. Yeah, that's strong. I like that. Yeah. Um, yep. Speaking of coming back, Justin Bogle got all, got a whole shot one moto, uh, was top two or three in one Both. moto. Um both. Well, well, he wasn't both, well, both whole shots. He wasn't credited with the whole shot in the second moto, so I didn't know what to what to make of it. Oh. Really? On the sheets, yeah. He said Oh, I, I thought, thought he was. I thought he did, but I don't know. But they don't yeah. have they don't have anybody credited with the whole shot in the second moto on the AMA sheets. So I don't know. Let's give it to Bogle then. I seem like it, Stamp right? It. I don't know. Stamp it. But uh JT, rough day for Bogle. Yeah, I'm uh I don't know quite know what to what to think about that. I mean, I know he wasn't 100 percent ready, but from what I understand and know, he's been riding for quite a while. So, uh, you know, he kind of seemed to shrug it off on his social media as just you know he needs more time and he's going to work his way back into shape. But uh, I will I will be honest and say I expected more than that. I expected more than 1820. Uh, so with yeah, those, well with those starts, anyways, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I didn't think he was going to. Uh, end up in the back, or 20th at least, uh, with those starts. I, I just thought if he was ready to come back, he would be able to hang in there at 12, 13, 14. Because we saw guys, you know, local guys like uh, Chris Canning came from dead last to he was up to 13th at one point in the second moto. So you're, you figure these guys are all passing Bogle, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, I just I didn't see that coming. I thought he would be able to withstand, because he rides in Florida. It's not like it's... <laughs> It's not like it's cool down there. It's blazing hot every single day when he's riding and, and training, uh, whether he's in North Carolina or Florida or wherever. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't have any answers for you. I just I can you know be fair and say I expected more than that. I talked to him after the race, and yeah, he was in a pretty good mood. He said you got to start somewhere, and and I said I guess hey man, if you're doing the work that you did when you were winning overalls and a moto and stuff, then you know it's going to come through. And he's like, yeah, exactly, and. So his attitude was pretty good, but I'll go with you too, JT, a little bit. I'm surprised to see him drop that far back. But uh, but maybe getting the whole shot's one of the worst things you can do because now you're riding outside your comfort zone and getting you know more tired. Yeah, if, so. if it had been a rushed return, I'd be like, yeah, man, like he's just lucky to be out there and and stuff like that's going to happen, especially on a brutally hot day, right? It's rough. It's skin- I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's going to be the toughest national of the year or close to it. That that difficult of a track with those weather conditions, it's going to be tough to one-up that. But I just thought he would be fitter than that, really. I mean, to, to go from where he was to 18 and 20, he had to be really tired. And we saw him getting lapped on TV, and you could just see it. I mean, he was he was spent, right? So, I don't know. I, I just I didn't expect – that much of a you know exhaustion level, I guess, for him. Uh, why I talked to him after the race, and he wanted a little, I don't want to say the word credit, but he was saying that, hey, I knew I only had 10 minutes in me, but at least I still went for it. Yeah. I still went for the whole shot. Like, we know the David Villeman theory of, if I'm going to get fifth, start eighth and get fifth. Don't whole shot and get fifth. So he's like, hey, I knew that I was going to fade after 10 minutes, but at least I threw it out there, which a lot of guys wouldn't do. And I'm like, oh, no, no, that's true. Plenty of guys hide. Plenty of guys don't want yeah. any part of that start if they know they're going to fade. Yep. Uh, yep. Weege, did you listen to the post-race podcast at all? Or no? You're on vacation, so probably not. I'm on vacation. Um, I'm, I'm learning about the Boston Tea Party, okay? Okay, but you – the Pike interview is funny, you guys. He – Pike's okay. like – Pike was going, I don't know about these local guys, man. 
All three did. They're all on KTM's, and dude, they just try to take you out everywhere. All of them. I don't know who was who. They were dive bombing me everywhere. He's like, <laughs> all these local guys, man. He was, like, I was Canning, Canning, uh, Dowd, and Marshall. KTM's three-digit guys. Weston Pike not happy with the locals, with the local ripus. So that's great. I I think he probably afterwards, you know, if next year if you guys want to fight him, he'll fight all of you next year. Oh my god, Uh, he he was not not happy with the locals. It was pretty funny interview. Um, I'm uh, glad to hear the locals still. It's still alive. They're still a factor, just like they always have been in South Park. They're still in the conversation. Yeah, and I wrote on Racerhead that they really weren't, and then they were. So good job by me. Um, hey, so the Robbie Marshall fantasy oh. controversy. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> how did it go? Like, we, you, you've, you've screwed JT two years in a row with Robbie Marshall uh, with your advice to JT about Robbie's program and and we went for a third year and you were you said this is all I got and you you copied a text or whatever and you said do it do with this what you want he has a kid now he has a kid now and things have changed use this information as you want yeah you were very much backing away from anything any recommendation one way or another um, but he was fourth fastest in the first practice fourth fastest overall of any 450 rider not in B of yeah, anybody yeah um, yep. JT what'd you do I picked him. I, I can't quit you, Robbie Marshall. I can't do it. <laughs> um, I, uh, it's just one of those things where I got to, I gotta, you know, Weege comes on and says this may be his last Southwick ever. They threw that out there. And I said, you know what? I'm going to ride and die with Robbie Marshall. I'm going in. I'm all in. Yeah. When I saw that time come across the screen, my fate was sealed. I did not pick. I talked to two locals who said that they didn't think he had 20 minutes in him. Thanks for sharing that info, Steve. Again, phone not working all day long. No tweets for me, nothing. Phone not working all day. So, um, all right. So, but no, JT, no bitter. He didn't do that well. So, no bitterness at No, Weed he Joe. did. He, he did. He got 70 fantasy points. Oh, I'm, he ended up I'm with 70 very, points? Okay. Yeah. That's very good. okay. He was like the fifth highest scoring guy. Oh, okay. Very okay. With all right. Okay. Good. 70 points. Good job. Uh, good work. It actually, this, it's third time's a charm. It worked. Yes. Yep. I'll take it. I'm right. very okay with that performance. He was very tired in the second moto. Very tired. Yes, he uh, was. You could see it in his lap times, but he held on. Well, I'll take it. The last lap of the first moto, he did like a three minute lap time. So I guess yep. he sure what, did. What happened? <laughs> uh, he was very tired, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> three three minutes and thirty seconds. I'm like, did he die? Is he still out there? Like, what's going on? Um, so, like, Canning rode well. Speaking of locals, Canning rode very well all day. Um, oh, the star of the Racer X main event and MX207 last year, Chris Canning. Yep, he uh, he was good. Uh, man. He was really good. I I talked to his yep. mechanic a little bit. He was mechanic is a big fan of the Pulp Show and was very excited to have a rider run that high. So. Um, Joey Crown did well in one moto. He's on a 350. I don't know if you guys knew that on the TV show or not. Joey Crown was on. We have to talk about Canning for a second. Hold okay. on. A second. Okay. So the the first moto, Canning runs. I don't know seven eight the whole moto. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. much. Yep. And then the last lap, I don't know what it, what happened to him. Oh, that's he, who, never mind. That's that's not Robbie. It was Canning who had three minutes and thirty five yeah. seconds. Sorry. No, he didn't. He didn't do the last lap. He got he got lapped, or he thought he got lapped, and he pulled off. He didn't do the whole last lap. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he pulls like Tomac goes over, and Cannon goes right, like finishes right in front of Tomac, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm good." And he goes from like 
seventh or eighth to eleventh because he was the only one that didn't finish the lap. So, so it was, uh, you could just see him dropping he, the last lap. Like he, and luckily he was lapped up to eleventh, so that was it. So he never crossed the finish. No, he see, didn't. He see, was just he luckily they just lapped up to eleventh. In Canadian moto, he'd be scored way in Canadian moto, and I think Australian, you got to cross the checkers, otherwise you're discredited with a DNF. So he, you know, well, yeah, but you guys are also trying to tax us on maple syrup and all kinds of well, stuff. You, you can't count any of that. Tax, tax us on steel. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. So he was so hot and tired. He's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm, t- I'm done. I don't know what happened, but I'm watching on TV. I'm like, can't because he's on my fantasy team. I'm yeah. like, Kenny, you got to finish. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. And then I just see him ride off the track, and I'm like, oh, perfect. Uh, but then the second moto, like he was, he crashed on the start, and he went from last. Yep. To 13th. Yep. Well, I mean, he like that was a really, really impressive ride. From a, you know, it's not going to make the, it's not going to make the news, and it's not going to be on TV and any of that stuff. But yeah. you want to talk about a really uh, great ride that won't get, you know, it's not going to get a lot of press, but yep. it was very impressive. Yep. Uh, Cunningham rode well in the first second moto too. He uh, he came from pretty much last first turn to 13th, kind of like what Canning did. Uh, Canning was the right. I think I think he got up before Canning, but. Um, so he rode well. Um, Heath Harrison and Ben LeMay had bike problems uh, in both motos, I think. Or Harrison got one decent photo finish anyways. What else? Um, uh, I don't know. That's about it. 450-wise. Four, Phil. Phil. Oh, Phil. Phil. Yeah. Phil was uh, fourth in the first moto and then ate crap in the first lap. So second moto, he got a good start and then just kind of dropped back a little bit. He was not happy. Why can't? Yeah, you really, like, I mean, can you just leave him alone once or twice? Just, no. Come on, you just. No. You, you, you gotta, you and Phil, like, your thing with Phil, your addiction, you are addicted to Phil. Uh, You're addicted to Phil. Yeah, no, my wife says the same thing. We have a flat Phil here in the studio. Mm-hmm. He, he's, You're addicted to Phil. He's gold. He's, his, his interviews are gold. His attitude on life is gold. It, it's, I have to talk to Phil. Yes, I have to. Yeah, so I saw Phil and his dad, who is no happier ever than Phil, um, coming out of the truck, just beyond bum, just pissed off yep. about every single thing you could be pissed off about. Just like, you know, this is like why they have like the, you know, when they draw comic books, they draw like some black circles over a guy's head, just like denoting anger. Yeah. Like he had all that going on. And I was like, dude, you need to get out of here before Mathis starts asking you questions. And then 30 seconds later, you walk up. I'm like, just leave yeah. him alone. No, no. Don't ask him about his day. And you did. No, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, got to. Got to, got to get Phil. It's part of our deal. People want to hear from Phil, good or bad. So he just he dropped a lot of four-letter words in, the, in his post-race interview. So. <laughs> what about Hill? Hill. Hill fell in the first turn, first moto. And finished, uh, got up and went to 21st, and then uh, didn't race the second one, got a hole in his arm, had to go to the hospital, I guess, and get a hole in his arm looked at or something. So, Oh, he didn't even race Moto2? No, no, he didn't even line up. Oh, so, oh boy. Um, yeah, so Hill didn't have a great day. And neither did Pike, and, and, and neither did uh, Bogle, so J-Bone will, and Jimmy D will get to, so rough day for <laughs> Team JGR. Overall, yeah, we'll get there with Jimmy D. But overall, we saw this has happened more times this year, I feel, than 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 recent years. Where on TV, some dude gets an awesome start, and we're building it up, and then 
18 minutes later, I see that guy about to get lapped, and I'm like, ah, I kind of don't even want to say that this is happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, like uh, we had Gage here at Glen Helen, and then there he is 15 minutes later getting lapped after leading uh, Jimmy D, Bogle. I'm like, I don't even want to say their names right now. This is just embarrassing for them. <laughs> Remember this guy? We're like, yeah, look at this. Yeah. He's in the lead. Yeah. He's getting lapped now. Oh, yeah, exactly right. Um, all right, anything else 450-wise? JT, Weech. Nope. Uh, we got to come up with a word of the day, by the way, um, for uh, Redbud. You drop Floby uh, pretty good, pretty easy. Right at the end, I once again forgot. I had to. Jesus. Last segment of the show, again, I had to figure out how to make it happen. Wow. Come on, why again? Pull together. Uh, thanks. You're, you're getting your phone working better. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, dude. There was n- nothing was going on. Um, at, at who, was t- who was tweeting for HRX? Uh, I don't know. No, not me. I have no idea. I had it was I had three bars and it said LTE and I could make a phone call, but I could not use any data. So I could have done what Feld used to do and call in the tweets when it first when Twitter first started. I could have called someone oh. to tweet, but Jim Holly calling Steve Cox's wife at home yeah. for her to tweet. Right. Remember that? Right, right. I could have done that, I suppose, uh, but so good. Uh, that's so good. Holly calling her like every 38 seconds. Oh, oh, no. Now Marvin's in the lead. Now Marvin's in the lead. Tweet that. Tweet that. Uh, <laughs> all right, everybody. Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This is the Southwick wrap-up. Thanks to Alpine Stars and uh, Maxis for making things happen. Along with the folks at Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Listen to this commercial from Race Tech. Save some money, and uh, we'll be right back to talk some 250s. Race Tech Suspension and Engines, people. Pulp MX-18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Race Tech specializing in high-performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Race Tech, guys like the HEP Suzuki team, and many more in the pits use Race Tech for their suspension and engines mods. Pulp MX-18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, racetech.com. Do it. Maxxis Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. And we're back! FlyRacing.com. Everybody, thanks to those guys for making it happen. 2019 stuff is going to be really exciting. And uh, please check out the gear that uh, Zach Osborne, Blake Baggett, Benny Bloss, Weston Pike wear. And, uh, and Zach Osborne will be uh, re-upping with Fly for 2019. That's exciting news for him and for Fly and everybody. And thanks to Alpine Stars and uh, Maxxis Tires as well, MXST Tire. McGrath developed it and just won uh, some classes at Mammoth, I think, using it. So please check it out. All right, 250 class. Well, I don't know what's happening with our with our title our title train here. Um, it's we're fast. We just we keep making mistakes like Travis Pastrana back in the day. It's it's amazing. So I don't know if we need to start a new troll is going to troll thing. But um, I talked to him after the race that second moto pass. He he kind of indicated to me JT that he had it. 
He had the inside. And I didn't see it on the race. Um, I was in the mechanics area, but I wasn't watching TV at the moment. So then I watched it on last night, and I, I don't think you had it, Troll. I don't think you had it at all. Yeah, I don't think it was anything more than a racing incident. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. But he didn't. He didn't have it. He thought he had it. I'm just like. Well, I mean, I think they both were. They were both going for the same line. So I don't. I don't think he had it. But I don't think, really think Forkner had it either. I, you know, uh, Troll had a, a run up the inside. I don't think Forkner realized that Troll had that momentum coming up the inside and. Sometimes when that happens, both guys think that they have the the line, and when two guys don't let off and they go for the same line, bad things generally happen. So yeah. I didn't really find a lot of fault with with Amart's move, and I really didn't have a lot of fault with Forkner trying to for, you know continue from the outside either. It's just one of those things, man. People run into each other sometimes. Four laps to go. You got more time, Alex. You got four laps. Wait it out a little bit. So. I feel like any time you saw in any of the motos, like Tomac Marv, when anyone had the angle that Troll had, they didn't take it. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, he's actually going to try this. I feel like multiple times you saw that line open in a corner, and everyone realized, yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah, everything And kind of... I was like, wait, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh. oh. Dude, we are yeah. giving away some serious points the last four motos. Serious points. That's what Troll's known for, man. Speed. Speed and crashes. I mean, if there's anything that Troll's known for, speed and crashes. Oh, man. We had it. We had Muddy uh, Creek. We had Southwick. We had it. Two wins in a row. Stamp it. Tied with, probably tied with with AP for the title. Yeah, I think I'm going to write about this on my column uh, on RaceRx Online on Tuesday, but this 250 series has been... It's like, who who wants to win it, right? Everyone's giving it away. Like, Zach had it, gives it away, you know, AP takes over, then Jamar takes over. It's just like, and then Amart's crashing out and AP's having bad races. And it doesn't seem like anybody has stepped up to the plate and said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to dominate this thing. So I want to do a little research, but I'm curious to see at this point halfway, if we've ever had this low of a points total for the, the points leader, because I have a feeling that it's, it's pretty historic. Uh, just, how low of a points total for the points leader because mm. Amart's given a lot of points away and he's only 23 back and AP's had two, I don't want to say bad weekends, but they certainly haven't been great. Um, but it's just one of those weird series where, you know, you, you look at a guy like Forkner who's 50 points back or whatever the number is, or maybe more now because he, you know, didn't, didn't score points in that second moto, but you don't really want to rule anybody out. And going through that second moto when Forkner's winning the second moto, I'm like, if he goes under 50 here, he's going to be, what, 49 or something. I am I think he's legitimately in this thing because the the swings that can be really big when you, you know, you have a, a day like Plessinger who hasn't had any real DNS yet. He hasn't had any real poor motos, but he's not really firing on all cylinders either. So I, I really haven't come down to a place where it's like, okay, it's a, it's a two-man race. I, I just don't think we're there yet. Well, I've done the math for you. It'll be out Wednesday in my column. 20 points. Okay, sweet. I'll beat you. I'll beat you by day. 20 points Amart has thrown away in the last four motos. Unbelievable. Anyways, so, yeah, one, two, four on the day. And what about Forkner? Great first moto ride. Um, second moto, like, was probably going to win, but for sure second if Alex got him. Like I said, four laps left. 
And just like Savachi and Lakewood uh, blowing up and Marchbanks hurting his leg and, and or knee and Forkner getting hurt in Supercross and crashing while he was the points leader, uh, that that second moto is just pure pure pro circuit year, I guess, Wygant, is what you can say. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Because worst case scenario, when you win the first moto and you're leading moto two. With four laps to you're go. You're going to get on the podium. You're, you're going to get on the podium. You're going to have a podium for the day, almost no matter what happens. Uh, and somehow he didn't. And uh, we actually sent Will, our pit reporter, over there to talk to him before the 452nd moto, and that was the thing he was most mad about. Not that he didn't go 1-1, but it was like the fact that he somehow didn't end up with a podium for the day. I think Fortner's got to be a little bit careful, though, because you know he got hit. It wasn't his fault at all, obviously. Um, but then he's laying there on the side of the track, and I don't deny that he, I'm sure, had the wind knocked out of him. But I'm now starting to hear whispers. There was a lot of drama in Supercross. This was, you know, winning to laying on the side of the track, writhing in pain, but then getting back up. And getting the wind knocked out of you is very strange because it looks like you're dead for a moment, and then two minutes later you're 100% fine, and that is what happens. But it's not a good look. I'm starting to hear too many whispers about drama with this guy, drama with lap riders and Supercross, drama with Osborne. Oh, were you really that hurt? If you're really that hurt, how did you pick your bike back up? So – I think he's developing a little bit of a rep, fair or unfair, for, you know, where's the grit? When it turns bad, it turns super bad. Um, and I don't know if that's fair, but that's what people are saying. I don't know, but his man friend has the same haircut as him, bleach blonde, and it's creepy. But dude, I agree. It's like they were, like, cryogenically, like, created it, from the same laboratory. It's like single white female. The guy's going to go single white female on Forkner. It's really, yeah, really he weird. Is the same guy. You can watch a TV show and you'll look. You'll see his mechanic and you'll see basically Forkner standing there watching the mechanic while Forkner's riding. Yeah. There's just another Forkner. Creepy, bro. Creepy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, well, yeah, I mean, honestly, I know what you're saying, Wygant, about all that, but that what happened to him is classic knock the wind out of you. That's, you know, he did pull in the mechanics no, it area. Is. It is. He did pull in the no, mechanics no, no, area. I, it, yeah. it is, but... It wasn't like the biggest crash ever, and then he ends up laying on the track like he's dead. And Dude, I'm not saying this is fair, but people are saying, "What the? Seriously, bro? You're just dead?" Well, now, yeah, yeah, yeah the wind knocked out of yeah. him. It's totally true, right. but I'm. This is people don't always make fair opinions on things. I'm just saying he's getting a bit of a reputation as a drama guy. Well, I told, I said this on the Pulp Show, or maybe on this thing. There's guys in his class that that aren't fans. Like there's uh, his competition. His competition is. Yes. There's some guys that are like not. Not cool with Forkner for numbers of reasons. I don't know. But anyways, bummer, yes, bummer. Even, yeah. even Amart in his interview with us threw a little shade like, hey, I made a dumb move here, but hey, we saw some of the moves that Austin made in Supercross. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, was that even yeah. necessary here? But you're right. I think that's the rep he's starting to get, fair or unfair. Um, but yeah. to, me, to me, even more critically – I think if he gets up there and he can salvage a you know third, fourth, whatever, I think he stays in the championship picture. But giving away another twenty-five points, uh, or yeah. you know, he didn't give up a full twenty-five to Plessinger. That hurt a lot. That that really, you know, he's going to need a lot more help now. Basically, a, another full moto of help. Where if he gets that thing down to in the forties, it's game on yeah. at halfway. You know, so it, I it think it is odd for him to to. Have the wind knocked out of him, that's normal, but then pull in the mechanics area, you know, a whole lap later, and then go out and get 20th. And then it was weird at Hangtown when he said he put a rib out, 
And then on Tuesday, he's jumping the hugest jump at Paula you've ever heard of in your life. Like that. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think it's one of those things he'll learn. And I I would bet you if you asked a champion guy that's been around a long time, they would say, yeah, in that scenario, unless you are physically dying, you've got to get up and go because you can't give away 25 points in that spot. You just yep. can't do it. And I think he'll learn that. You know, I, it's he's it's an expensive <laughs> expensive lesson to learn. And I'm it's not like I've ever won championships at that level, but I do know that you can't give away points. If there's any way for you to get up and finish, you've got to find a way to do it. Like like Osborne. Let's take Osborne for example. He popped his shoulder out. He jacked his labrum up, right, which he's had to have fixed, but he got up and rode the whole moto, even in pain and whatever, because he knew if he could get a few points, it might be the difference. And he ended up getting one. And it's all for naught, but I just think that's the lesson that, that Austin will learn is, like, I've got to find a way to get up and keep going here. Yeah. Um... Ferrandis was the winner, though, overall, 4-1. He uh, was very good there last year. It's his first overall uh, of his career, and uh, he's won some motos before. And, he's, and look, Forkner and McElrath and, and Amart all started up front, both motos and, and rode good races. Uh, Ferrandis had to come from, well, on the sheets, he's credited with 10th in each moto. Um, so the starts were the one spot that weren't great for him, but he was, he was really good, man. And I kind of said to him, uh, you know, hey, like you got to mail Alex a thank you card or something for the last couple of weeks, but Dylan wasn't really having it. He's like, oh, yeah, I was. And I, I, I have no reason to doubt him or whatever, but Dylan was like, yeah, I was I was still going to make the pass on him. Like, it was no problem. I'm like, okay, all right. You're the winner, so you can say that. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's your right. That's what you get. So, um, but yeah, great. Winner, great winners write the history books, right? Yeah, yeah. Good good job for, for Ferrandez for sure. Um, and I think he's going to be, we've talked about it, he's going to be a podium guy the rest of the year, I, I think. Uh, and McElrath, man, he had an eight-second lead, I think, at one point in that first moto. Eight seconds, and he goes back to sixth. So that's not good. And you kind of thought, well, you know, coming off his Muddy Creek, like that's got to be devastating and a big blow to Shane. But full credit for Shane in the second moto to get second. Like he wasn't obviously that upset, or they made some bike changes or whatever because – Dude, he was gone in that first moto. So that's tough to do, JT, when you blow the lead like that, when you're a guy like Shane, and then and then rebound in second in the second moto. Like, good job for him. Yeah, I still don't fully understand him or his racing because, like I said, I picked him in fantasy, so I was watching him super closely at, like, let's, let's say Glenn Helen, and he was having a hell of a time just staying inside the top ten and going backwards. Guys like March Banks and these guys were passing him. But then, you know, he comes to Muddy Creek. He gets the overall, as we know. Then he comes at Southwick the first few laps, and you see him ride away from the pack. And you're like, oh, he's gone. Like, he's turned a corner. He's figured out the bike, which we had him on the Pulpamex show on Monday. And he basically just said, like, the bike's a lot better, and we got, got to test. And, yeah, it's, it's going to be better from here on out. And then you watch him start to fade, and you're like, man, what is the deal in this first moto? Like, I, so I, for me, it's, I just don't have any answers for you. Uh, because then he bounces back in the second moto and stays there, and you, he was almost going to pass Ferrandis for the win in the second moto towards the end. So I don't, I don't know if he could completely yeah. explain what the deal is, but I, I certainly don't haven't figured it out yet. Uh, AP was RJ got a third in the second moto. Good job for him. He didn't ride all week, I guess. Kind of hit his head with that Jordan Smith collision uh, last, and he was not happy about that. By the way, how do I get? He was not happy with Jordan. 
No, because RJ and Jordan are like super best buds. Yeah. Um, dating from the time as teammates, and they're still super tight. And then, ironically, we had a feature which had been recorded before the season, uh, which we played this weekend by nothing more than sheer coincidence. Uh, you know, who would be your dream guy to have as a teammate? And RJ's answer was Jordan. And now they're now he's super pissed over Jordan. It was a similar situation to uh, what happened with Cooper and Jeremy Martin last week. Um, at the same same. Same moto, just later in the race. Yeah, later. Yeah. Kind of moving over on him in the air. Yeah. Um, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Um, so RJ's pissed. Yeah. So he didn't ride all week. So, but third is good. Seven three for him. Uh, Aaron rode really well. Plessinger in the first moto to get a third, and second moto he didn't have. Looked like he had a lot much left in the tank, uh, fitness wise. Um, I, I thought, anyways, he was kind of stuck there in seventh. I was, I was waiting for him. Like he rode really well in the first moto to, to work his way up. It's kind of what guys do with the red plates, and uh, he didn't quite do it that time. But uh, um, yeah, Aaron Aaron had a three seven day. So I guess uh, you know you hold on to the red plate. Good job for him, uh, Nichols. Colt Nichols was good, huh, Weech? Yeah, yeah, he really is. Second, I mean, I, we talked about this a little. Yeah. Second race mm-hmm. back. Second race back. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit on the podcast last week, but I think it's pretty obvious when you look at the overall results of all the riders on that team that they've got that bike working awesome. I mean, every single guy is good. Uh, Justin, well, Justin Cooper didn't have a good day. Well, no, he didn't. Yeah. And, um, but he's certainly riding well. And look, because of the AMR problems and Plessinger not being totally consistent, basically all the things J, uh, JT has said here, this championship is so wide open. I was about to. I was about to start selling tickets on the Justin Cooper train. I was about to, we were, you know, figuring out stations that we wanted to stop in. And anyone that wanted to jump on, I had tickets for sale. Yep. I mean, he yep. did crash out of that second moto at Muddy Creek, but he was temporarily ahead of Alex and points. And I'm like, with the rate of improvement, and then I talked to him Saturday morning, and he's like, I raced Southwick once when I was on a 65 at eight years old. I don't know the track at all, but I can already tell you it's my favorite track. Oh, wow. And then, he, then he's fast as in practice. Then he gets... Great start, as usual, and I'm like, it is on. It is on. The Justin Cooper train has left the station. He can win this title. And, oh, my God, what the hell happened? <laughs> it's a disaster yeah. of a day. Like, yeah. he was riding so good. Well, I just – I think he was beat up from that. He went right over the bars and everything. So, the yeah. second moto, he got a ninth, and you could tell he wasn't himself, you know. Um, I thought, for sure, he's going to get a podium. He's going to beat Plessinger on the day. He's going to make up more points. And we have a whole second half of the season for a rookie to get better and better and better. But yep. just like Fortner, like, dude, yeah. oh, that's a killer. Uh, Savachi crashed late in Moto One while he was up there, and his his season continues to be just blah blah. His season continues to be oh, like tie tie dye shirts, is what it is. That's what his season <laughs> continues to be like tie dye shirts. So, um, don't you guys don't you guys just think that this series is is so wide open, even though the points don't really indicate it. You know, uh, Plessinger's got a 23-point lead, and then there's Amart, and then there's a pretty big gap behind them. To me, it's like, uh, you know, I look at the 450 class in 07, um, the year that Dean Wilson won 2011, the 250 class. There's just a bunch of guys that we're at halfway. If one of these guys catches fire, this thing is wide open to me. It's just so winnable. Yeah, the right no, guy that does things at the right time. It's we just don't see this very often because usually 
somebody like Dungey or somebody is dominating, you know, or at least maybe two guys are dominating everything, and you're like, eh, nobody can really beat them. But I don't, I don't feel that way at all about this series. Uh, we're catching fire soon. We're already on fire. We're, we just got to calm down a little bit. But get ready, get ready to, to talk about Alex Martin being a national champion. <laughs> just, just, this is why I was ready to sell tickets on the Justin Cooper Express, which this is a dude who was racing Loretta's last year and was on Cycle Trader and wasn't even assured, I think, that he was going to be on Star. And a year later, I was ready to be like, yep, he can win this title. Absolutely, JT. Every single person. Can Savachi still win it? Can he still win it? Is he 100 points down now? savachi has got a – he's just right ahead of Ferrandis in the points. So things aren't going oh. well. So. Okay. okay, so maybe those two are out. Maybe. Right. Maybe. Right. maybe. Maybe they're out. No, we <laughs> – we have been the best guy for four straight motos. And, oh, here we go. And it's coming together. Like, it's going to happen. You guys, wait, wait. He was better than Jeremy Martin you, in the first moto at Muddy Creek? He was better than Jeremy. Yes. Yes. He, he was better than Forkner he, he, in the first moved, moto? He moved over to let Jeremy take the win. Okay. John Martin. Yes, JT. He was better than Forkner in the first moto at Southwick? Greta Martin's orders. <laughs> Move over for Jer. For Jer. Um, you guys need to wrap your head around the fact that a guy who rode for 1110 mods is going to be national champion. That's what you need to do. You need to figure out how you're going to do that. It's in play. It is, it is in play. It is in play. play. No, it is in play. Yeah, it, it is. is in play. Um, Steve, Steve, I told you this last week. You're, why are you setting it as a yes, no question, win the title or not? Your point if you would just rest on the laurels now, you'll have won this. Your point is just that he's a contender, but you won't rest with him being purely a contender. You will only rest with the champ. He's swinging for the fences here, Weege. Yep. He has yes. completely lost his mind. He's like he's power hungry. <laughs> he's, he's gotten greedy. He's, and now yeah. it's either it's either pass fail. There there is nothing else now. It's just pass fail, and that's yes. a national championship or nothing. He's yes. gonna, he's going to take the number one play to a new team. That's crazy, but that's what he's going to do. Oh, like Ron Gossip here? Uh, I, I mean, I don't think he's. Well, you know what? There was some big wig from KTM there. He was hanging out by the podium. He had pants on in in ninety five degree uh, weather, and uh, <laughs> he was. Uh, he's either Pitt's boss or or right underneath Pitt at KTM. Is it Heinz? And, Heinz, maybe? No, no, it was not Heinz. Um, and he had glasses on. He looked so Euro. Looked so Euro. And uh, anyways, he was there. <laughs> so it was a good day for us to shine in front of that guy. So he can throw some more money at us for to stay at TLD. So, um, uh, Sexton was really good in the first moto. Second moto, he fell in the first turn. He worked his way up to like eighth or ninth. He was shredding, and then apparently he crashed two more times. And uh, it was it wasn't a good day for Chase Sexton, second moto wise. So bummer, bummer deal for him. Um, what else? Uh, Moseman was good, tenth. Mitchell Harrison was ninth. So that's that's a good job for the Rockstar guys. To get those Mitchell ones. Harrison caught and passed and beat Plessinger in Moto Two. Yeah, yep. Plessinger, he did. He, he did. passed him for six. Yeah, yeah. Um, he just, I'm, Aaron didn't seem to have much. Like he just I was waiting for that charge, man. I, I think he, I think he got a little bit tired. I really do. And that's what I'm telling you. I, yeah. I really think that it's this thing's wide open. It really is. Like Plessinger's good. Don't get me wrong. Like three sevens, not bad. And if he, de- if he has days like High Point, they're, they're everybody's screwed. But He's leaving the door open, you know, because really 
with Amart leaving all those points out there, this is, you know, if, if you're facing a guy like Dungey or one of these guys, they would absolutely destroy you by opening the door like that. By giving them up that opportunity, they would be throwing 50 points up on the board week after week, and you're just done. Like, it's over. But AP's not capitalizing on it, and I'm not saying he's not going to win the title because he has a 23-point lead. But if this thing comes down to the wire, you can look back at days like Muddy Creek and Southwick and said, man, if I was just a little bit better, this thing would be over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's 36 up on Cooper, Amartis, and 40 up on McElrath. So I can't see Forkner. Forkner is now 30, 63 points down to Plessinger. Forkner is. That's a lot, yeah, I, dude, at halfway. Yeah, I mean, that, that second moto really hurt. That, I really was – I just like Weege was ready to sell tickets for the Justin Cooper train, I was all in on Forkner because I think Forkner has the inner confidence. If you, if you let him get on a roll, watch out. Like, things are going to get crazy with him because he can throw up a few wins in a row before anybody knows what happens. He just has that level of talent uh, where I don't think many people can do that. But yeah, to give away another twenty-five points that was, you know, he just left it on the table. That's that's going to hurt his chances because, you know, the difference between forty and sixty-three or thirty-eight and sixty-three. Yeah, it just changes the whole scenario. Uh, and we 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 touched on Dakotas. He's got to be bummed for sure. Pulled a start in the first moto, quickly got shuffled back. Second moto, his radiator hose was uh, damaged in the first lap or something, and the team tried to pull him in, and they couldn't do it, or and then his bike blew up. So not a good day for. For uh, Jimmy D. Not a good day for Auto Trader Yoshimura. JGR. No. I'm sure they're drinking. No. I'm sure they're going to have some drinks and, and try to forget about their day. <laughs> I had Jimmy D on my team. Can we? What happened in the first moto to him? Dude. Uh, yeah. He had two really good laps in him. It wasn't wasn't good, man. Yeah. No. I, I had him on my team. I thought, okay, no problem. He, yeah. he got a 12th at Muddy Creek. Like, pretty good. We're going to his home track. You know, and then when I see him grab that good start, I'm like, oh, it's game on. Like, no problem. He's going to be top ten here yeah. all day. Yeah. And then it was just a freight train to the back. Yeah. Like, you, I was like, man, he's not even fast right now. Like, if, what is happening? If you had told me he was going to go from that start to 20th, I would have said no way. Without a crash. I would have said no way. Oh, not at Southwick. And he did, he did crash. He did, he did fall over. Oh, he did? Okay. It was over way before then. Yeah, it was, yeah. He was already done by that right, point. Right. Um, it's crazy. Southwick is so difficult. Uh, him, the, the speed differential you could see when it started happening, when the fade started happening. And honestly, the same thing with McElrath. Like, when McElrath lost the lead, you're like, what? What like, happened? We were wondering. <laughs> yeah, we're like, is there a bike problem? Like, he looked so slow all of a sudden when yeah. he went by him. Yep. Was, is this the same class? What's the deal? He was eight seconds ahead. It's so weird how I, I, I don't think you see that at other tracks as much as you do at Southwick. Like, when it goes bad, it goes well, bad. I mean, I think JT can speak to this as a racer. Like, once you 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 have the, you have the clear track, things are going well, and then one guy gets you, like, things – it's hard to regroup, man. It's hard to, like – it's hard to, like, okay, I got I to gotta find some lines and pick up this – like, that's hard work for riders to do that when you're, when you've, when you're getting sucked into this vortex. 
Yeah, it's a, it's typically snowball one way or another, right, either right. forward or backwards. Yeah. And yeah, it's really hard to turn it around when it's going backwards because you're you're getting frustrated and you try harder, which trying harder usually makes it worse. Yeah. And you're just getting hot and you're, then you're thinking about it. It's just yeah, it's all bad. At that <laughs> point, it's just all bad and you just want the checkered flag to come out. Yeah, that's why you look at guys who can regroup and sort of find some spots. You're like, yeah, that's pretty hard to do. So I always, I always, I've done that in my column over the years and giving guys props for regrouping when they can because it ain't easy. That's for sure. Well, I, for me, the times that I got a really good start, I, these guys would be blowing by me like crazy good guys, Carmichael's and Reed's and Billman's and these guys, and I'd be just like, yeah, I'm never going to be able to go with them. Like They are going way too fast. And then I would just keep dropping back until I found guys that I could ride with. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm good here. And whether that was yeah. 8th or 10th or 14th or whatever, it was like, all right, now I can go. And it's like, all right, I, this is where kind of where I belong. And I was watching Dakotas, and I'm like, well, there goes guys like Hampshire, and then there goes guys that are in 10th place, and then there goes guys that are 12th. Like, you should be going with them. Yeah. Like, those guys yeah, are yeah. – you're on their level. Like, what's happening? And he just wasn't able to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's um, okay. Um, anything else in 250-wise? We missed anything? Uh, nope. Redbud next. Best national of the year coming up next. Uh, well, okay. Some people would say that, yeah. Um, all right, word of the day uh, for Redbud. JT, you got anything? Parking lot jump. Oh, boy. <laughs> I got I got three. And it just kind of came to me in the tip of my tongue here. Um, I can get three in easy. Three. No, no, no. No, no. I just three. mean you, you can oh. pick one. <laughs> Come back. I guarantee you I can get that in. <laughs> That actually made me laugh out loud. Good job. Um, well, can we talk about Walter White being fastest? And that was <laughs> awesome. Walter yeah. White. I just I Walter picture White hitting out of that ratty motorhome from Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> oh, this is the best name ever. Next to next to Ryan Lachine. I'm a, I like Ryan Lachine. Uh, he had something way better than an energy drink. Yeah. Walter White. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, okay, so, oh, and Austin Root is doing all right. He knocked himself out in the first moto, 50 feet out of the gate. Root. My, my, my debut of my butt patch for, for Root went terribly. <laughs> um, okay, uh, word of the day, uh, parking lot jump? No, right? No. Come on, why not? <laughs> Dude, I, I still can't believe they did that. It was all Emic. He he it was all Emic. It was it was just pro. But didn't he say there was a reason why? Yes, yeah, he like Morocco. What are you talking about? You didn't like Morocco. Oh, I thought it was more political than that. No, he just did yell. He kicked Morocco in the head at one point yeah, on no, no. television. I don't think he likes them very much. Yeah, no, no. They they weren't <laughs> kicked him in the ribs. It was the ribs. Oh. No, in the head. Watched it. Okay. Uh I mean we just what do you think? No, I'm not doing parking lot jump. <laughs> oh, come on, Weege. I mean, the only way I'm going to do it, and you're going to say this is a cheat, I can be like, some people have called this the parking lot jump, but it is LaRocco's leap. I mean, I can say it, Matt, but I feel like that's a cheat. What about bunching? <laughs> I like it. No. We're going to stay on the pro. We're staying on the pro topic here. No, no. Okay. Um, I have a... Uh, Fangtooth. It's a uh, it's a fish that lives under deep in deep sea, 
It's got these huge <laughs> teeth on it, fang tooth. Um, vampire squid. Do you have any? Keep, you keep doing these multi-word words. Well, fang tooth is one word, actually. Yeah, that's okay, but what's this other one? Uh, vampire, squid? vampire squid. Vampire squid. Yeah, I mean... I mean, it's a squid. It's, it's really more than one word, but... I mean, I'll... I'll I can do Crust, it. Crustacean? Coconut milk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think coconut milk is the most bizarre, so... <laughs> my vote. Okay, yeah, fine with me, yeah. We'll, we'll go fang tooth next week. I I can already think of scenarios for the others, but coconut milk, I've got nothing so far. Oh, perfect then. That works. <laughs> yeah. then that's Nailed what we, it. That's what we want, for sure. <laughs> all right. Coconut milk it is. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. It's a Southwick wrap-up. Uh, thanks to Fly Racing for making it happen. And thanks to uh, Maxis and Alpine Stars as well. And thanks to you people for listening. Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas. Thanks, boys. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, like beating a dead horse I mean, you know and i know from personal experience did anybody ever sit me down of course they did everybody did pro circuits mitch payton there's two ways to make the money one is you can sign for money or two you can earn the money i'm a high believer in earning the money i think they ride better when they earn the money seven time jeremy mcgrath i was so mad like so disappointed and so frustrated that i pulled fifth and i left Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. 
stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.